to the court with Archie Diakon. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. All right, hello everybody and welcome back to the Full 40 with Chris and Rob. It is episode 11, Tuesday night, right before the big Nor'easter is about to hit. We want to keep you warm with a great episode of the Full 40 as we're heading in to the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 and deciding who makes the final four. And as always, we're excited. Yeah, and yep, we're excited. <laughs> we're we're very excited. Yeah, so How could you not be excited though when you have Mikhail Bridges on your team? You mean Mickle. Mick Mickle Bridges, Miles Bridges, Whatever. Michael Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, we have him. We got him. And as an omen, today Villanova cut the tape on the bridge across the great, pedestrian bridge. Great call out. Yep. Totally forgot about pedestrian that. bridge, which I predict in a couple weeks will be called the McHale Bridge. Could you imagine if they just renamed it? They should rename it. They <laughs> he, should rename he it. Go, he goes off. He gets Final Four Most Outstanding Player, yeah. and it becomes the McHale Bridge. That would just be unreal. I yeah. would love it. Yeah, actually, we were about to start and get into Xavier, but I just want to talk about McHale Bridges. <laughs> All right, let's talk about McHale Bridges. <laughs> I, this show should be retitled... The full 40 with Chris and Rob, a tribute to Mikhail Bridges. Yes. Because he is playing out of his mind. Right now, I went th- I went through, looked up the stats. For those of you on the Facebook page or, on the, or following us on Twitter, uh, you saw I started adding everybody on Twitter. Like every college basketball analyst you could possibly imagine, I was getting after them saying, guys, you got to pay attention to Mikhail Bridges. Because Mikhail Bridges, since February 1st, Mikhail Bridges had a great season, right? He has had a third-team All-American type season. But in addition to that, since February 1st, he is averaging like 19.9 points a game in 32 minutes, shooting 66% from two, 43% from deep, and 87% from the line, Right? Since March 1st, he's been straight up the best player in the country. Absolutely unguardable, ridiculous statistics. He is averaging 21.3 points a game, 5 rebounds per game, shooting 63% from the from 2, and 54% from deep, and cherry on top, 92% from the free throw line. And oh, by the way, he's one of the best defenders in the country. Yo, and so we, we refer to... An earlier podcast, you're like, oh, he's Jenkins in right now. So we went back. It was like, all right, Chris Jenkins in March and April 2016 was stepping the gym. He's he's within range, right? So we looked up his numbers. Bridges is actually better oh, right yeah. now, which is crazy. Jenkins was shooting something. I think Jenkins was like a little better at two, but like three pointers, he shot like 48%. So Bridges is better. Like, And I mean, Jenkins is almost as good of a defender as Bridges. <laughs> Kidding. No. Obviously not. No. Bridges <laughs> is, I, Bridges is, I, I, I should clarify this. Bridges is the best defender I've seen at Villanova. He's a generational be defender. Yeah. 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 I don't know who's. He's I, long, that we've, that we've but in addition now. to his length and athleticism, which is lottery level at length and athleticism. He is also 
So good at predicting where the guy's going to go with the ball, poking in the right spot, blocking shots without fouling. He's terrific. <laughs> at He's all levels, he can guard. Pretty much. And yeah. no one can guard him. And no one can guard him is the thing. And it's like, it's it's amazing. Again, this year, it was the question mark. Is, oh, is he going to be assertive? Is he going to be assertive? Is he going to be assertive? Well, at the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, yeah, he showed a little bit of it. Kind of took a little bit of a backseat. And now... Important, though. Yeah. I wanna, I've want i called this out in the previous podcast. I read on the VU Hoops comment section that people who go to school currently at Villanova saw him walking around in a boot. Obviously, he played every game. But if he was walking around in a boot, clearly he wasn't 100%. Right. So yeah. well, just a p- point of credit there. Yeah. So now it seems to be bootless, and he's just going straight up crazy at this point. And it's like he's finally getting the press that he deserves, and obviously it's a lotto pick, but it's still not quite as much as he's, you know, people talk about Bagley as, oh, he's like the guy to watch right now in terms I mean, of being the number one player. He's pretty is, awesome. Right? He is pretty <laughs> awesome. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say Bridges is better than Bagley, but he's playing of players left in the tournament. He's absolutely there in terms of the guys you, if you're coming up with a game plan, you have to come up with a game plan to stop him. And I don't know how you do it at this point. No, I don't know how you stop Mikhail Bridges. It's, yeah, in the flow of the offense, it's, I mean, good luck to everybody. You have to put your longest, most athletic player on Bridges, or he will just straight up shoot over you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. So I want to keep coming back to Mikhail Bridges because he's just, Oh my God! I can't even describe how 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 amazing he is. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's gonna be when we look back at sixteen. You point to Jenkins as the guy who got hot. Bridges is the guy who's hot right now, and we could very easily be sitting here in a few weeks saying Mikael Bridges was the guy who just carried us to the championship. Yeah, without a doubt, no question. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we we're gonna start with Xavier. We we're gonna start with Xavier. So we're gonna go we're gonna take that emotional high of talking about how awesome Mikhail Bridges is and go to the emotional low of Xavier, you ruined it for everybody. You let the whole team down. Big East got six teams in and we felt good about their chances. We thought we could get as many as four teams in the Sweet Sixteen on the full forty. And we're left with one. And we're going to have to put the whole Big East team, the whole Big East on our back to carry us through. And But Xavier was the team that was remaining that needed to get the job done. They had, they had their team all together. They had senior leadership. They had everything. They had Elite Eight run last year. And they were up 12 with 10 minutes left in the game. And they just fell apart. They fell apart. Makura... Got whistled for two horrible foul calls. I, oh. In fairness to Xavier, I thought the whistle was way against them in this game. I thought the refs were horrible. But Xavier fell, just totally fell apart. And it's partially because McCure played dumb, right? He played dumb to pick up one of his fouls. Yeah. And then the fifth foul was, if you don't like J.P. McCure, you point to his fifth foul and say, that's exactly why I don't like J.P. Mercura. Completely out of control. He's a senior. Oh, that's He's that, supposed that to be. Break, yeah, yeah. Fa- it wasn't a fast break, though. They had their whole defense back. <laughs> J.P. Mercura just decided it was a fast break, and he was going to run as fast as he could, like an Accela train, right into the Florida State defender. It was the stupidest play I've ever seen. And the guy was, I mean... It, it wasn't a smart play. In his defense, the guy did look like he was still sliding over and, like, McCure was maybe in the air already. But you don't – point is, you don't make that play, right? You, he was running at full speed ahead. He left the referee with no decision. He destroyed that guy. 
That guy did not wake up feeling great the next day. <laughs> he destroyed that guy. <laughs> no, Ran right did. over him. Yeah. Um, and then Trayvon blew it. Blew hey, it. man. He blew it. Like, what was that? <laughs> yeah. This is your game. This is the round of 32 of the NCAA tournament, and that's your effort? Yeah, man. He goes two for – look, I know everybody – the difference is, like, everybody has quiet games. It's just a, sa- a shame when you have the quiet game in the tournament and you're not a team like Villanova where you've got four other guys, five other guys who can step up and drop 30 at any given moment. So <laughs> there was really nobody else to pick up the slack, especially once Makura went out. And at that point, there were still a few minutes left, and Xavier's – trying to hold on for dear life but just couldn't get it done i mean we said we said if xavier wins when we recorded on sunday we said if xavier wins the big east held serve right held serve two can be six teams in two teams lose in the first round four teams make it to the round of 32 two teams make it to the sweet 16 you roll the dice from there that's a good year yeah Great year it was a bad year for the conference all the way up to the tournament yeah and and if look if we go ahead and win the championship Everybody kind of overlooks it, right? It right. doesn't matter. But if we don't, even I would say even if, if we don't, even if we make the title game, people will be like, uh, yeah, the Big East like, kind of flamed out early, you know? It's like same narrative. Uh, yeah, I think. I think if we get to the Final Four title game, I think we're good. But I don't want to have to carry – why do we have to carry the, the whole team on our back like that? I know, I know. I mean, look. I, and look, I, Xavier, I don't want to take anything away. We've had flameouts. I was going to say, Xavier yeah. made the Sweet 16 in years in which we've had flameouts, right? So Xavier is the one team who I really can't point to and say, you're screwing everything up for this conference because they're not. They have they made the Elite Eight last, last year, year, thank yeah. goodness. Um, but I really felt like they had the team to get it done this year. They never coalesced defensively. Um, no, they're and, not a good defensive team. And even though they should have, they had all the athletes to do it. And yeah, yeah, it's just tough because I really would have liked to see Xavier in the Sweet 16 because I think that they could have potentially made the Final Four if they got in there. Although Gonzaga is playing amazing. Gonzaga is playing well for sure. But yeah, I mean, look, you look around and you say, hey, the ACC got four teams in, the Big 12, I think, got four teams in, and the Big East got one. Not great. Not great. Although the four for the ACC was not exactly the four <laughs> who I think they expected it. Yeah, not not quite. Yeah, it's like beginning of the year you say ACC gets four teams. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, we no, could we could buy we, that for sure. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get UVA, UNC. No, they didn't think UVA. No, not UVA. The beginning of the year there was a UNC, Duke. Um, you know, Clemson looks like they're coming together this year, and then you know you got Louisville. You got other teams that yeah. can make it. Right, Louisville prior to the loss of Rick Pitino was a top team. Right, and then and then they get Duke. Okay. Yep. Clemson. All right. All right. Fine. <laughs> Florida State. Eh, <laughs> Stretching. Not so much. Stretching. Yeah. Stretch. <laughs> like, okay. And then Syracuse. What? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> they made the tournament. <laughs> but only bigger surprise would have been uh, Pitt. Case Stallings. If Case Stallings would have gotten him to, uh, to the Sweet yeah. 16. <laughs> that would have been utterly ridiculous. That would have been the madness of March for sure. Okay. So with that, like, do you want to look around what else happened that night? Yeah, let's do That it. fateful let's, Sunday evening and then get into our matchup? Yeah, then let's get into our matchup. All right. That is why people So we, we left off. We, I said we recorded the podcast during the North Carolina game. When we finished recording the podcast, we saw UNC was down quite a bit. We were surprised by that, but figured, okay, UNC, they play up-tempo. They probably got a run in them. 
Nope. <laughs> nope. UNC got absolutely demolished by Texas A&M, who outplayed them from the opening whistle, really. Yeah. And was, just ran them straight over. It was that game was not close at all. I was, I mean, they they weren't in it basically yeah. the whole time. I don't feel bad for UNC. I mean, Joel Berry, um, Theo Pinson, and all them made two consecutive title yeah. games and won the national championship. So no. uh, you can taste you, you can taste around the thirty two exit like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's you definitely don't feel bad for it. I wasn't that bullish on UNC anyway. I did have them losing in this round. I had them losing to Providence, but we all know how that went for our beloved Friars. Yeah, alas. Then. K-State outlasted oh. UMBC. Oh, the retrievers so could not get it done. It was the ugliest game of the tournament. It was. It's amazing, right? I mean, look, that's what you expect from a 16 seed. But like, they come off of this amazing game against Virginia. Everything and they scored 74 points on like a like a unbelievable historically good defense. Yeah, and then they just could not get anything going. They had so many long stretches against K State where they just they didn't score at all, and it was. It was a little anticlimactic because they they were they were close they were actually close up until the very end they had a shot to make that Sweet Sixteen which would have been phenomenal but they didn't. Then Clemson uh, just Auburn forgot to show up. Auburn forgot. Yeah, I, I feel like Bruce Pearl was just like, yeah, this is a good year. It's yeah, good we're, year. We're done. We, we, had a good AP end of season ranking. Lose by thirty one <laughs> to, to Clemson. Check, please. The Clemson who's got who's down like three players. I know. Um, and then finally, and this is the game that I think this is the game of the night. Nevada coming down for from twenty two down with like ten minutes left in the first half, pulling a Villanova LSU from two thousand and seven. Yeah, still one of one of my Malcolm favorite Grant. Villanova games I ever attended. That game was wild, just unreal. I've never. I don't think I, I can recall a Villanova guy. I'm sure we can come up with something. But, like, that was a game that stood out to me so much where just one guy took over and was utterly unstoppable. It's like, yeah. here's what we needed, and Malcolm Grant has everything. Yeah. Never, never to play again, of course. But yeah. <laughs> just kind of disappeared. He, he, no, he didn't disappear. He fell under the uh, not-so-great graces of Jay Wright. And, yeah. uh, and Jay just basically canned him and he transferred at the end of the year i was so expecting him to do something at university of miami and then because he had just there was so much talent there and then he did basically nothing in miami too like damn such a waste um but yeah nevada was down 22 against cincinnati who's an excellent defensive unit i've gotta i've gotta keep that game in mind when we get down in the tournament whether it's friday or some other game i'm just gonna be like okay just remember Nevada came down from 22. And they did not have Mikhail Bridges and they to did do that. not have Mikhail Bridges. We can do this. Yeah. Because it takes so little for me to get utterly frustrated. Yeah. You're down one and you're like, fuck. This game's over. <laughs> yeah. The Alabama game started. They hit a shot. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. That's like part of being a fan though, right? Like we're up 15, 16 points and on Alabama. And I'm like, we got to keep the fe- pedal on the metal, guys. We got to keep the pedal on the metal. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're down three and I'm like, oh my God, we're going to lose. <laughs> Yeah. Chris, there's 35 minutes left. Oh yeah, you got a good point. It's but so true. Like the first, that's it, being a fan. It's being a fan, but it's you got to remember the first, especially in the tournament, the first 10 minutes of the game. I feel like are basically the teams feeling themselves out and seeing how how it's going to play out. So once you get through that, then things usually settle into I think what they're going to be. But 
you got to try and give yourself a pass for those first 10 minutes. Yeah. Granted, I don't do that well, but you should try. <laughs> other uh, other people should try that. So Nevada led that game. It was crazy, like 9.1 seconds. They didn't take the lead in that game until nine seconds left and won the game. Good Unbelievable. For Good for them. This tournament, the first weekend has got to be the best ever, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's depending on how you look at yeah, it. Yeah, it's definitely like one of the craziest ever. I think the issue that everybody talks about is, okay, great. So we had this crazy weekend. Now I get to watch these horrible games. I get to watch Nevada and Loyola Chicago. Who wants to watch that? Like nobody wants to watch that game. I would if that game was on a Saturday, I would absolutely skip that channel and move on to literally anything else. <laughs> yeah. Like the emergency <laughs> the emergency alert is on. Okay, I'm skipping to that. Yeah, like, when I watch games on regular Saturdays, if I don't see a game that interests me, I just default to the Big East. Like, yeah. I'll watch DePaul Georgetown <laughs> over Loyola Chicago versus Nevada. Yeah, there has to be really nothing on for me to watch DePaul <laughs> and Georgetown. DePaul's the one team, I'm like, uh, I, I, I just don't know if I can get myself to watch them. Now, Loyola Chicago has beaten good teams all year. They've beaten every ranked team they've played so far this year. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they beat Florida at Florida earlier this year. I think they beat them up, too. I, I can't remember exactly the score there. But then they beat – I mean, they beat on Tennessee, and Tennessee was terrific this year. And uh, and they beat up Miami, who was ranked for a lot of the year or just outside the rankings for a lot of the year. That is pretty solid. Yeah. So I think the theme of all these upsets are clearly good defense is not going to win you a championship, which bodes well for us. Yeah, although we're playing defense – yeah, but like, we have a good offense. Yeah, we have the best <laughs> offense. We do have the best offense. Um, but just looking ahead, West Virginia, Texas Tech, both defensive-minded teams. So therefore, they must lose. That will happen. Yeah. So let's get let's actually get into that because you know it's funny because we were sitting here a couple weeks ago when the bracket came out mm. and saying we have a winnable region. Yeah, we have a winnable region. Plus, there'll be some chaos, and you know we can really we have an easy. Region. And not easy, but winnable. And it's still winnable, no question. But all of a sudden, our region is way harder than everyone else's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, Selection Sunday was, oh, Villanova has the easiest path to easiest path to the Final Four. And, yeah, we're still favored to do that. But, yeah, I would much rather be in Kentucky's spot, like I think we mentioned last time. Like, it's, yeah. it's not easy for us. Yeah, and then... On the whole left side of the bracket, Michigan, who needed a buzzer beater to beat six-seed Houston, is the best team on the whole left side of the bracket in terms of uh, seed line. So if if seeds hold, right, you get Kentucky, who is the best seed left in that south bracket, Mm -hmm. which is crazy, and you get Michigan in the final four. Which would be fine. I think people would accept that. that. There would be a good entrance into the final four. But yeah, I, I... I mean, you got Gonzaga who's playing really well too, and um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I mean, that yeah. whole left side of the bracket's a disaster. The, the only unfortunate thing in my mind is that because look, you, like you always said, you've got to play good teams to get to the final four, no matter how it shakes out, unless perhaps you're Kentucky. But the unfortunate thing is, we ended up with a team that has a gimmick. I hate the gimmick teams, and yeah. it's not—it's not like a gimmick per se, right? Because I was going to say Virginia, and I was going to point to Syracuse and West Virginia and my others. They're not gimmicks. They're just good defensive teams, but they have a particular scheme that you don't see all the time, right? right. So it's hard to practice against. And unfortunately, 
we have one of those in our bracket, which yeah. does – that's the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is just because it's not like we're just playing another good team. Like if we make the next round, we play Texas Tech and Purdue, they're very good teams. Right. But they're like a little bit more traditional, right? We kind of know broadly what we're up against right. there. Right. Absolutely. I agree with that. And Yeah, so let's get into that. West Virginia, Villanova. The Let's line go, Mountaineers. Oh, my God. We're going to have to listen to that chant. It's absolutely going to be all so over the airwaves. Bad. Let's go, Mountaineers. All right, oh I'm my done. God. I'm yeah, done. please stop saying. <laughs> Bobby H. Oh. Wearing the tracksuit. Yeah. And he's got his stool. It's probably it's like a health issue. No, that's a health issue. Ah, whatever. I still make fun of him. He has like heart issues. Ah, he's horrible. He has to sit whatever. on the stool because of his heart issues. Whatever. I'm from Appalachia too. I can make fun of him. Yeah. West Virginia is an Appalachian team. They are. Though I'm from Pittsburgh and they're from West Virginia. There's a huge rivalry there growing up. Yeah. So yeah. I always hated West Virginia. So, so I, was, what, I was born with it. West Virginia is an old Big East, um, an old Big East rival. We're playing in Boston, which is an old Big East town, and it's an exciting matchup. And I think I think we're going to have our hands full, especially early, just like you said before about how like oh you gotta you're going to have teams that are um, that play a different style, yeah. or you you get the teams feeling each other out, kind of. Um, West Virginia is going to take some feeling out because they press right. That's what they're called. They're called Press Virginia, yep. and and I've watched a good amount of them, and it's. It's a challenging thing to do because possession after possession after possession, you have to be steady with the basketball. Yeah. And we have the ball handlers to do that. No question. For sure. Right? But what they did to Marshall, which was throttle them from pretty much, you know, five minutes, ten minutes into the game on. They did to Marshall is just worked them down. And then the moment Marshall gave an inch on the basketball, like – like I think Javon Carter just stripped him three times. It was, and, it was, it was and the game was over. It was literally, it was amazing because Marshall and they throw what they do is they throw different looks at you on the press too. They press in different ways, which makes it challenging. Like the Marshall game, Marshall played well for the first ten minutes. They were making shots. They weren't turning it over. And then yeah, that was the key to me. I think it was literally three possessions in a row. Carter stole the ball from them, and it just absolutely broke Marshall's spirit. And yeah. West Virginia just went on this crazy run, and Marshall was totally mentally out of the game. The good news with us is that Jalen Brunson, no one rattles that kid. Well, he doesn't have emotion because he's a robot. <laughs> he does not have emotion. <laughs> That's a good point. He has Fair no point. emotions whatsoever. Um, so he is – so, I mean, this is a Brunson game as far as I'm concerned. He needs to be top-notch. He will be top-notch because he is the most consistent player in the NCAA. And he's going to handle the ball. It's going to be great. We also have other good ball handlers. DiVincenzo can handle the ball well. Booth can handle the ball well. Um, you got Gillespie if you need Gillespie it. Although I, I, Gillespie obviously makes me nervous because he's a freshman and he's not super physical. It's, it's not even that he's a freshman. He's We'd have to check like his turnover stats. But he's one guy who – He dribbles maybe is, too much. He dribbles a little too much. He definitely gets into situations where he can get his pocket picked. And he's – of the guards we have, he's probably one of the last guys I actually want bringing the ball up the court. Just because I trust – at this point, I even trust you know our wings. Like I trust Mikhail to obviously bring the ball up, and we've got to have those guys on the outlet. But he is the one guy I'm, I'm hoping we keep it out of his hands. Here's what I think 
big picture, is the best thing that we have to do to beat West Virginia. Play really good defense. Don't let them score. Because when they score, they set up their press. Yeah. So if you stop them from scoring, you actually help yourself offensively. Yeah. It's like it, – that's why, that's why Virginia is so susceptible to being up like 12, 15 points in the game like they were on Kansas a couple times and then getting beaten up all the way down the stretch by, and by, by a good solid veteran team and end up losing by double digits. Yeah. That's what happens is that the, tight, the defense tightens up. West Virginia tightens up. They can't establish their press, and a team goes on a massive run because West Virginia, once you start doing that, they can't stop the tide. That's their style of play coming to bite them in the butt. It's really, it's, it's really interesting. It gets really circular either way you play it, right? So it's either the press is really working and they They're press you, you get, over, they get the turnover, and they, they score, score, and they set the press back up. Right. Or – you break the press, right? And you get either an open three because they're not great at defending the right. three. You get a nice quick break. You get a foul on them, maybe. And even. then you stop them on the defensive end, and they can't set up the press, and you're doing it all well, over. They again. can't set up the press. They can't go on a fast break offense, which they rely on a lot. They rely on that because they're not good in the half court on either end. They're not great in the half court. They're not great. I mean, look, they're not a bad team, and Javon Carter is. He he's is a stud. He's an absolute stud. He's a guy top who, ten, fifteen player in the NCAA easily. Yeah, probably. And he like he's a guy who can create his own shot. He can bury a three, a two at the rim, whatever. It doesn't matter. Hand in his face. He's going to – he's one of these guys. He's going to get his points for sure. And he's got to be the most well-conditioned athlete in the entire Oh, my God. He has to be. He plays like – so much. He plays, yeah, he plays like, this is actually really interesting. He plays like 35 minutes a game. Nobody in that else, press. Nobody else on that team plays over 30 minutes. Yeah. And they've, they, they actually play really deep, yeah. which is pretty interesting. But the guy you're going to hear about all week is is Javon Carter. Yeah. I want to stop for a second. I want to focus on the guy who you need to watch in this game is Segaba Kanate. Kanate. Kanate is their big man he is ridiculous. He absolutely belongs on the Memphis 2008 yes. team of men. No question. I am not debating that at all. This dude, he is a dude. He is a truck. Yeah. Like, he is He's an absolute truck. truck. And I want to know, the big question for me is, what did the basketball ever do to <laughs> Sego Bacanate? Why does he hate it so much? <laughs> He swats. His block rate is like 16%, which is, is really insane. Oh, my God. He's insane. He is super athletic. Goes up. He can get. He can get putback dunks. He blocks like crazy. He gets angry at the ball, and he's also a good blocker. He's not like one of those guys. Like yeah, he can occasionally send the ball into the twentieth row, but more often than not, he actually blocks and gets the ball back to West Virginia. So so he's got like got a rate of doing that at like sixty percent, which is terrific. So he'll block the ball like he happened in. The, it happened against Marshall. I saw it once. He blocked it against the uh, backboard, right into a West Virginia. Yeah, they get it in transition, hands, basically. And then they're out in the transition, and they're off to the races. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm telling you, Kanate is the difference maker on that team. Carter, you know what you're going to get. Carter's almost like their Brunson in that. Obviously, I think Brunson's a little bit steadier, but Carter does what he does. Does. He's an excellent player. He he's he scores a good amount of points, 15, 20 points a game. He is a he's an excellent defender. He's got good hands, he's got good instincts, all that stuff. But Kanate is I think what makes that team so dangerous for a team like us. 
because when you watch West Virginia, and I've watched them, as I said this, I've watched them quite a bit. What intrigues me is that once you get them into the half court when you're on offense, if you just run right to the rim, you can run past their guards. They're not, for whatever reason, I don't understand why this is the case. But, like, you can dribble drive through them. And you don't have to, have to go around them or create a different lane to go around. Just straight at them. You go straight downhill towards the rim. But the difference maker is that Kanate will eat you alive if you don't if you're not smart about it. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how the the Kanate Spellman matchup goes because he is Kanate is a more of a traditional big. He's just huge and hulking, right? So it'll be curious when you know when we spread the floor if they keep Kanate on Spellman or if they switch him on to Pascal. I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm very curious about that though. But I he, think the key for us is going to be team rebounding and team boxing out of Kanate and team sealing him off on a drive uh, between Pascal and um, and Spellman. I think Spellman by himself is not the type of player like. Spellman will help us actually by stretching the defense out mm-hmm. because of the way he can shoot uh, on the offensive end, which can keep us going downhill. You might see some sets in which we're running five out. Uh, seriously, you might see some sets in which we're running five out to keep him out of the lane. Yeah, I could see that. And then West Virginia have to make adjustments around that um, so that we can drive the hoop. But Kanate is – yeah, I think it's going to take a team effort from Pascal and, uh, and Spellman. Yeah. I mean, I, it's I, key. I feel like this game boils down to if – it boils down to two things. One, if we're not stupid in turning the ball over and are just under control bringing it up, that's one. And if two, if the threes are falling, even at a moderate rate, we're going to be totally fine. Yeah. Like, I have I have no doubts. If we lose this game, I think we'll lose it close. I don't expect to lose this game. I expect to win this game. The line on the game is six points. I, honestly, it would surprise me more to lose by 10 than to win by 30. I would... I would be more mm. shocked if we lost by 10 points than I would if we won by 30 points. Yeah, I think there's something behind that because it's it, – obviously they're relying a lot on the on the transition and I don't think – And they also rely a lot on the three. They, uh, yes and no. I mean they're not – I guess they, they shoot a high volume of threes. They're not a good three-point shooting team. It's right. one of these – they've got two guys who shoot around 40% and that's Carter and this other dude, Bolden. Um, so it's it's one of these – Okay, if you get somebody who's able to shut down Carter, you put bridges on Carter, I don't know if they'll actually do that, but you have somebody who's able to limit him a little bit more, that offense... I think Booth on Carter's fine. Maybe so. But you need somebody who's able to to take him out of the game, because if you do, if you've limited the turnovers to start, you've taken a huge chunk out of their game, now if you've limited Carter, that's it. I mean, that's... That's game over right there because yeah. there's there's nobody else on that team who's necessarily initiating it and is as dangerous from the three point line who's able to really turn it up and change the flow of the game at this yeah. point. And you got to finish the play with the rebounds. Can't let Kanate eat you eat your life. Oh, Kanate. Yeah. Yeah. So watch out for him because he that guy's a freak. <laughs> He's definitely a freak. Um, all right, that's probably pretty good on the game, I guess. Yeah. I mean, what do I expect at the end of the day? You want to make a score prediction here? Ooh, sure. We haven't done one in a while, and we're usually spot on on our score predictions. <laughs> uh, said no one ever. Don't use this for betting advice, that's for sure. Ooh, we should look up at the line. I think the line's like five, right? Yeah, five, and Ken Palm has it at six. Okay. Um, so I think this one ends. I think we break the press, and the threes are falling at a moderate rate. I think it's. Um, I think it's. 78 to 
I'm going to go a little bit higher possession game. I think we're going to – I like the um, 67 for them, but I think we're going to – I think we're going to end up with 85 points. Wow. 85-67 Villanova. <laughs> that, would, that would make me pretty feel pretty good. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm thinking. Mikhail like Bridges is going to go for like 28-29. That sounds good to me. Sign me up. Yep. And Brunson. This is going to be a big Brunson game. Brunson's going to have – Brunson's going to be terrific. Uh, I think he's going to have, you know, 15, 20 points himself. Um, but more than that, dishing out assists and playing really under control. Yeah. No, it'll be fun. Um, All right. So we got us in the Elite Eight. Surprise. Yeah. Shocker. Villanova fans picked us to go to the Elite Eight. Yeah. And then if we do that, we're going to face the winner of Texas Tech and Purdue, who are the two and the three seed in the bracket. Purdue, still without Isaac Haas. Based on what I was reading today, he's not coming back. The Purdue engineers are working on a brace (laughs) for Haas. But I I think Painter um, basically said that he's not coming back. Yeah, the stuff I was reading too that said that he was basically, even if they got a brace, he was really having trouble actually shooting, moving around with it. So it, it would be almost like a decoy move if he comes into the game at that point, it seems like. Right. So yeah, then Purdue is uh, like I think like we talked about a little bit last time. Purdue ends up to be a somewhat similar team, a very good three point shooting team. Very good, probably actually on a, on a percentage basis better than us, I believe. I think they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, they got four guys who can shoot it at a very high clip. Um, both the Edwardses, mm-hmm. right, and then um, Dakota Mathias, Dakota Mathias, and they got other good pieces too. So they can shoot the ball really well. Um, they're under control. They're veteran unit. They play really well together. Um, Painter's an excellent coach. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see them beat Texas Tech, although I'm going to stick with my pick in the Elite Eight from earlier on. I had Texas Tech beating Purdue in that matchup, even with Haas. I'm just so impressed with how Texas Tech looks right now. They're athletic. Um, they play excellent defense. Not a gimmick defense. They play just real tough nails no. defense. Yeah, they're a top five defense in the country. And, yeah. That's, and yeah, I think that's an interesting point, right? They are not a gimmick defense. They're not Virginia. They're not West Virginia. They're just straight up fundamentally sound. Yeah, real good. They're real good. Right. Which, yeah, that could make it challenging. And they got Keenan Evans, who is excellent. He's getting back from his injury. He seems very back. Very, very back. I think we've passed the point of getting back. I think he's back. He's like Mikhail Bridges. I took off the boot. I'm ready to go. It's March. All the way back. Uh, And I like Texas Tech to beat Purdue um, just because of their defensive all-around effort. And then that's going to be a hell of an Elite Eight game. But, I mean, I think if it comes down to to Tech and Villanova – Assuming our defense is there, that's their their one weakness. They're not a great offensive team. Keenan Evans, obviously, he's going to get his, but they're not an offensive. Like they're not. There aren't four or five guys that you could look to on that team who are going to give you twenty points a game. Yeah, I'd feel good about it. Yeah, I I, I do. Um, look, I'm sticking with my final four pick of Villanova. Shockingly, um, but. Yeah, I, I like us in this bracket still. Um, it's a tough bracket. We're gonna play all. We're playing all top 10, 15 teams from here on out. Yeah. Um, so we said it earlier. We'll say it again. If you're gonna be the best, you gotta beat the best. For sure. So we're gonna have to beat the best in our region, 
and uh, this is what we're going to have to do. So we're going, we're playing in Boston this weekend. Last time we were in Boston. Boston for the regional. 2009. Things went quite well. Scott Reynolds. Scott Reynolds. Scott Reynolds hit uh, what was at one point the biggest shot in, in recent Villanova history. Yeah. Since been surpassed by, uh, by Chris Jenkins, whose mom taught him how to shoot. Actually. His mom did, did teach him how to shoot, yep. And Scotty Reynolds was adopted. There you go. Yep. There you go. So everything you need to know. Um, but yeah, so that was 2009. That was 2009. We were not so at that game. long ago. We were not at that game. Yeah. Um, we watched it from – we watched it from – well, you were on retreat. I was on a retreat at that point. We watched Duke together. We watched Duke. Sweet 16. We watched Duke together. Yeah, the Duke, Duke, the Duke Villanova game that 2009 year was interesting because we were so nervous going into that game because we're like, oh wow, we're playing Duke. <laughs> we're playing, yeah. We had we had the run of the Blue Bloods. We had UCLA right before that. Yeah, so UCLA, cool. Duke, and then when Pitt was good. When Pitt was good, yeah. Um, that game versus Pitt, by the way, was one of the best games ever. But we demolished Duke. That was a a good game for about a half, and then we were just consistently up. Like fifteen points, basically the entire second. But do you remember we were sitting there just because we're playing Duke, right. and the the aura of Duke. We're thinking like, John Shire is going to make a thirty point bucket at some point yeah. in time. I remember there was like two minutes left, and we're like, "There's too much time. There's too much time." We're yeah, literally up twenty left. points. A lot of time left. They show the bracket with us advancing. <laughs> yeah, they go to the elite eight, and we're like, "No, no, don't show that. Don't show that. There's too much time. Too much time." <laughs> oh man. I hope we, I hope we have that problem this time around. Yeah, that would be that would be great for. Uh, yeah, as long as we're not playing Nevada. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh um, my god. But but yeah, Boston conjures up good memories. Um, we ran the same exact play, or same or a variation, variation of the play yeah. that we that Chris Jenkins ran, um, and made the final four um, with the Scotty Reynolds runner, uh, and that whole game was terrific. The Sweet 16 was terrific because we just blew the doors off at Duke. Um, and it's funny because that – if we if we blow out West Virginia, it's going to resemble – these these big, deep runs are going to resemble each other a little bit. In – in um, yeah. Yeah, that's in, true actually. Yeah, in, um, in 2009, the round of 32 – so <laughs> Yeah, take out the, the first round, yeah, which was a hot mess. It was a hot mess, but we ended up winning by double digits. We did. That was um, – that. it took us to like well into the second half to make that – a good game for us. Yeah. That was woof. Round of 32 in 2009 and 2016 and in 2018 throttled our opponents. Oh, 2009 was the Dwayne Anderson uh, the Dwayne Anderson the dive steal. Yeah, we were yeah. already up 20. And everyone was <laughs> yeah. like, this team plays with so much attitude. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So um, good. Um, but so round of six, so round of 16 in 2009 and 2016 and hopefully 18, but at least 9 and 16 blew out our opponent in that round two in Duke and Miami and ace, both ACC schools. Ooh, interesting. Yep. I do not have one now, but oh well. Um, not one now. Yeah, Big 12, whatever. Uh, the, then, Jen- the Jenkins half court. <laughs> I'm just going to casually hit this from the logo against Miami. Yeah. Then a really well-played, although the Kansas game was a little bit more of a rock fight um, than the pick game, but well-played tight game down to the wire game to make the final four. Wow, there are a lot of weird similarities. There's a lot of similarities yeah. between 09 and 16. Just pretty uh, up until that point yeah. where then we, the, the big difference between UNC... Oh my God. 
who was the team of destiny that year. Absolutely. In 2009. And then beating Oklahoma by 44 points. Yeah, they're, they're just a little bit different. Yeah, a little bit different result there. Um, so I think conjures up good memories. I think we... We beat pretty. I beat. We beat West Virginia pretty handily. I think we play a tough game versus Texas Tech or Purdue um, in that Elite Eight game. Yeah, and it's not ad- easy. And we advance to the Final Four. That's what I think is going to happen. Uh, before we before we move on to the other brackets, at what point do you feel like this is a great team who had a great season? At what juncture do you say? Do you draw that line and say? Rob Dormish approved. Great team, great season. Uh, disappointed. Like, assume we don't win the national championship. Disappointed that we lost, but this was an all-time great Villanova team. At what point do you say that? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to be disappointed every time we lose. So right. it, it does not matter even if we lose in the national championship. And I'm sure UNC fans would say that too. That will still sting. But uh, taking taking a national title out of it, at what point – would I look back and say, okay, yeah, like that was that was a great team. It's it's got to be. You've got to make the final four for me. Unfortunately okay, for no, me, you tough. You've got to because the final four has just such an an aura about it. And at that point, you said, yeah. Not only did I have a great regular season and I won the Big East tournament, but I backed it up all through the NCAAs. And that just, it really sets it apart. That's a banner you put up on the wall and that's something you celebrate. And people look back, because we always look back and we say, oh, we had a lot of fun. Like we went to regular season games and we can talk about tons of great memories we have there. But the memories people never forget are the final four and the championship game. Those are the stories you tell your kids for years. That, yeah. that to me is, that's, that's what it takes. No question. I, I don't disagree with that. To a certain extent. I'm a little bit softer on my take. First off, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Anytime you reach the Sweet 16, I'm already happy enough to reach the Sweet 16. I think that is the... Because you're a loser. <laughs> and not a leader. <laughs> not Definitely not a leader. That's for the, sure. The, no, I, but, but in all seriousness, like a measure of a, of a real good Villanova year to me, any year, is making the Sweet 16. Now, that being said, I will make an exception on that rule when you are a dominant one seed. Yeah. And I think we're a dominant one seed. In which case, I believe you have to make the Elite Eight. Yeah. You have to make the Elite Eight, and then from there you roll the dice because you're playing top ten teams who can beat anybody on any given night. It would just be such – that's my thing. is It would just be such a shame if this team doesn't get it done because the talent level on this team is – Unlike any we've had in, in 10 years since 2006, right? right? We've got that group of, of future pros and more who are on the team. Yeah. And, more and obviously more complete. And right? deeper. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. Obviously, I'm going to be disappointed anytime we lose, just like you said. But I think if we beat West Virginia and make the Elite Eight, I can write this down as a top five Villanova team ever. And I think it, it gets back to a little bit of expectations, right? Because I think if you asked either of us, you would say, is the 2005-2016 an all-time great Villanova team? We'd say, yeah, for sure. Right. You, like, no question. Right. You look at that team, look at that makeup, you look at what they did in the this tournament. This is the building blocks. Yeah. But but the difference is, like, 
the expectation, we hadn't just come off a national title, right? We hadn't come off of a number, a lot of number one seeds back to back. And so I think the expectation for me has evolved a little bit. So I see where you're coming from. I totally hear you. I think it's, it's just changed a little bit. I want that final four. I think everybody wants it. It's just a matter of when we get it. All right. You want to round off this episode with some with some picks in each of these rest of these games? Yeah, we don't have to do, do it real quick. Do, 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 do a quick. quick breakdown. We don't have to do a breakdown. Um, we'll save the breakdown for... Uh, Next, the, next week when we're in the final four. That's right. Um, That's so right, let's because fuck it, we're just gonna say it. We'll, it, be, we'll be back next week. We're gonna be we're back final four preview. It's gonna be fun. Um, Midwest region, you got Kansas versus Clemson and Syracuse versus Duke. Who's advancing to your lead eight? Um, Syracuse, duh. No, just kidding. Uh, Duke and oh, I don't know. I really have not been bullish on Kansas. I really don't think Kansas is a good team. I think if we played Kansas. We would beat Kansas by 15, no questions asked. Yeah. Uh, that said, I think they'll get it done against Clemson. So I'm going to say Kansas-Duke. And coming out, Duke. Yep, yeah, I'm exactly with you there. I think the difference maker in the KU-Clemson game is um, Azubuke. Mm. Um, and Hopefully not his free throws. No. Uh, no, Bill Self knows better than that now. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it's Azubuke and Azubuke... Um, is a difference maker, and I think you got Duke and Kansas, and I think Duke beats them actually pretty pretty handily Fair enough. Um, in that game and makes the Final Four for the right to face us in what many people would call a de facto national it championship. Would be, you know, it would be it's like... It's such a shame because it would be like 19- they should reseed the Final Four if that happened. It's like the Miracle on Ice, right? Everybody talks about the Miracle on Ice in 1980, the U.S. versus the USSR, was the semifinals uh. and the Olympics. And everybody, uh, that's like the game, right? Yeah. I feel like if you, if we play Duke and we beat beat them in the final four, we should just get the trophy. <laughs> like, forget yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. Um. Um, <laughs> although you gotta be careful with those type of things. I'm a Yankees fan. Sorry to anyone here who's not. Ew. And in 2003, when the Yankees beat the Red Sox, everyone said, "Okay, now the Yankees are definitely going to win the World Series," and they got run over by a Marlins team. So. That's really unfortunate. That that would be very much the equivalent of losing to one of the teams on the left side of the. That's bracket. what I'm saying. It's like, exactly what I'm saying. It'd be like losing to Nevada. What? Yeah. You lost to Nevada. You lost to the Marlins. Yeah. Must um, have been okay. Dumping their team. Again. So you got the South region, which is um, Atlanta, <sighs> and uh, yeah, you got Atlanta. You got so in Atlanta, you got Kentucky, K State, and then. Loyola Chicago and That's Nevada. just horrible. One it's, of Chicago, Loyola Chicago and Nevada is making the Elite Eight. All right. It's, Which it's, one is making it's it? It's Kentucky and it's Nevada for me. I got Kentucky and Loyola Chicago. All right. I think Sister Jean gets one more Sister done. Jean. She didn't pick them I know. to advance past the Sweet 16, but if she got a do-over, I think she'd pick them. Fair enough. All right. So we got that. Um, the West? Wait, so who's advancing? Who's coming out? Kentucky. You got Kentucky? I do think. I do think Kentucky gets it done. All right. Um, although we have seen crazy things, we have seen George Mason. We've seen VCU. Is what Loyola Chicago this year's? No, no. Okay, <laughs> you heard it here first from Rob. <laughs> no, no chance. Straight up, no. Um, the uh, the West the West regional semifinals are interesting, only because I think before the tournament started, if you saw Michigan, Texas, and M, you'd be like, oh, Michigan in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. But Michigan has looked. Woefully unimpressive. They're, yeah, they haven't been and great. Ve- like the least impressive route so far, in my opinion, to the Sweet 16. And Texas A&M looks real good. Texas A&M has momentum, for sure. Um, you taking them? 
I think I am. I'm going to as well. I think Texas A&M out toughs Michigan. After, after the beatdown they put on North Carolina, I think that team is rolling with confidence. I think Michigan, they obviously have the, the ridiculous buzzer beater, but I think Texas A&M takes it. FSU, Gonzaga, I got the Zags. For sure, with you. And I think the dream for A&M ends in, uh, in the Elite Eight. I got Gonzaga going to the Final Four. All right. So, who do you got? So, Villanova, Duke, Gonzaga, Kentucky. All Wildcats. Villanova, Kentucky. So, we got to beat Duke and Kentucky. <laughs> Why not? To win a national well, championship. In 16, we had to beat everybody. So, let's yeah. just check another couple off the box. I believe that if we beat Duke and Kentucky en route to the Final Four, that Jim Nance needs to come out with a clipboard it's the blue blood contract agreement, and we get and Jay Wright gets to ceremonially sign the blue blood indoctrination. I like that agreement. Three national championships, six final fours. Beat Duke, Kentucky, UNC, UCLA, uh, uh, Duke again. Yeah, just <laughs> uh, smoke everybody. Yeah, KU, Oklahoma, everyone in their path. Yeah. destroyed for sure in the last ten years. Blue blood indoctrination. Jay Wright, Hall of Fame coach. I agree. I mean, Jay's, Jay's already got that Hall of Fame coach, but I agree. Blue blood, blue blood indoctrination, sign us up. We're good. I like that. All right, yeah, you heard it here first on the full 40. <laughs> we are going to steamroll our way to the final four. <laughs> we make many proclamations, most and, are not And true. we're going to beat Duke and Kentucky in the final four in an all-Wildcat matchup in San Antonio. We already told you to book your flights. So book your flights, book your hotels. There are none left, by the way. Yeah. In San Antonio? Yeah, it's like, it's crazy full. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because we're riding Mikhail Bridges, Superman, Mikhail Bridges back all the way to the national championship. All right. Before we let you go, check us out Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at the full 40. Check us out on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud, the whole nine yards. Yep. We'll be back in a week. Celebrating a Final Four, hopefully. Uh, And as always, let's let's go go Nova. Nova.